We want to talk about faith, we want to talk about um, politics, we want to talk about race, we want to talk about pop culture, literally everything, 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 everything is up for discussion and that's what French culture is about, 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 about. She's Lisa V. And he's Randall Keith. And this is Brunch Culture, the show where everything is up for discussion. What's not up for discussion is LeBron being the number one player in the NBA. I know he didn't win, but I, was I just want to put that out there. I just don't. Really, you got real quiet, and I felt like yeah, that quiet. I, I, I was going. Yeah, I was about to really go there, but I ain't going to press your buttons because we've known in past episodes that you don't play by the king. <laughs> I just, I want people to understand. And you know, people, people will test you, uh, but you got to keep your cool because Steve probably lost it on this, this thing. When, when a caller called in and started talking about uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, he went to a very low place. Yeah, it was... I don't even know if low. It's just unacceptable. I'll say that. I won't even say it's a low place. That was just a real unacceptable place. Like, and I didn't even get. Of course, like I didn't get the 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 joke in it in it all. And I thought the first part. Did you hear the audio of it? I haven't heard the complete audio. So I heard the audio as a person that was like recording in their car. I feel like the first part that he said. He said something to the tune of like, "You'll be bathing in your silver water," or something like that and that was kind of like all right you know if you just leave it at that then we good like don't don't try to make it something else and then he went on to say he didn't realize that the caller was on the he, the guy was still on the line you know he was like i got one more thing one more thing the guy said something they're like oh he's still on the line and he was like something to the tune of uh enjoy your brown glass of water and it was kind of like bro like what is they've already pointed out your co-hosts have already pointed out the fact that you saying this can be offensive and they apologize the the strawberry letter lady she apologized on behalf of the morning show and him saying you know that that's going to be a problem like don't say anything people aren't going to get it like you're trying to be funny but that's a little too far like you over the edge and then to kind of just throw one more line in there was like with your brown water knowing that this brown water is something that impacts a lot of us a lot of our people and it's not something that they can help this is not something that people are really being held nobody's really being held responsible for and there's still a problem like it's not being fixed this is something this is somebody's reality so to kind of like make fun of it as if it's something that he or anybody else could help it's kind of like all right bro like what what you doing yeah i was just like what I don't understand why he thought that was okay. And in light of the fact that he's been in the news for being inappropriate for the last, because you met, you know, he made that comment about was it Asians that he made the comment about a, a few weeks ago? Yeah, I think it was. It was. It's like it was like an Asian joke or something like that. Yeah, and then so the girl who had been on Little Big Shots. Do you watch Little Big Shots? No. Okay, it's 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 kind of funny sometimes him like talking to the little kids. Oh, that's like that's kind of like the kids say the darndest things type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, I'm familiar. So he had a girl there from uh, Flint, and she like was really offended. A little girl, and she like, she did a video in response to it, like condemning what he said, and was just like, you know, why would you even say that? Like she had she went viral for her support of Flint because mm. she's from there. And so she was on Little Big Shots, like, and so she was really, she was like, you know, Mr. Harvey, I, you know, I liked you, respected you, and now I'm like, why would you ever do that? <laughs> right. Has he, he hasn't issued a statement, though. He hasn't said anything about it, has he? I don't think so. Yeah. And that's the, that's the frustrating part, because a reason that I actually didn't even want to get worked up into it, and I think I told you this, is knowing that in his position knowing who his target audience is and where he's getting the money from honestly if it's not going to be white women that are going to be that are going to push back or have an issue with the statement 
I highly doubt he's going to say anything about it in terms of an apology or even trying to acknowledge, even just acknowledging that, you know what, that was inappropriate. I probably went a little too far. It shouldn't have happened. I don't even think he's going to do any of that. Like, yeah, I wish he would stop talking sometimes. Like, it's like sometimes entertainers just need to stick to what they're good at and not do anything else. Like, you know, not make any jokes out of the outside of those parameters. I I was going to say, I think the thing is, is he's going to he uses that that umbrella of I'm a comic so I can do it. And I just it's just one of those things we talked about last week with Kathy Griffin and um, Bill. Yeah, it's just one of those things where and this I think for me, this is it's, it's worse because these there are people that live in this space and that live in this state this state and they can't they can't change it you know what i'm saying like this the mm-hmm. state that they're in this position that they're in they cannot change that it's not their fault and it's their government that has let them down but those same government officials that same government no one's really trying to hold anybody accountable and there is no real true push to to change it because you know it's so expensive to get it done but it's like why, why this we should be outraged as people and honestly as a black person and understanding that it's the black and brown people that are really getting the, the the butt of this because they cannot they can't just up and go somewhere else they can't uproot themselves they don't have the the funds to do it so it's like they have to deal with it and for you to just try to make a joke about it, it's just not it's not appropriate you know and considering he talks about how hard his upbringing was right like you know i think he i thought he would be naturally just more sympathetic and sensitive to um the issue and, and under- not even touch it. And understand how making that joke to a to one individual is gonna offend everybody. It's gonna offend other people that are in that situation. It just was not it's just not a good thing at all. Like it's really not a good thing at all. And I I try not to put too much into it because I honestly feel like literally it'll be talked about amongst black people um and that'll just be it because i don't see this huge group of of white people or supporters saying oh that was so offensive and he shouldn't have said that we feel offended nah they don't and not to say that they don't care but it's just not something that hits home so i don't necessarily see this being a thing yeah well you know what was the thing for me this week the southern baptist convention yeah so i saw you know, I saw your tweets. I saw your Facebook mess- <laughs> your Facebook post at first. And then, you know, I went over to your tweets and saw your tweets and saw that it was a thing. Of course, you know, prior to us talking about it, I had no, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand why. I just kept seeing these articles and uh, I think I saw like maybe like a poster, maybe like an op-ed or something that somebody did. And it was saying like, it's too late to apologize. And I was like, wait, what's happening? What's going on? So I guess break it down for everybody that doesn't really get it. Yeah, so a pastor, an African-American pastor that's a part of the Southern Baptist Convention went to the Southern Baptist Convention in Phoenix um, for their annual meeting. Mm-hmm. And he's a pretty prominent African-American pastor within the organization. Mm-hmm. And he put, put a proposal out like, we need to condemn as an organization the alt-right. And it was rejected at first. Um, things were said like, well, the language was too inflammatory, um, which I don't think it was, but mm-hmm. It's it's amazing that sometimes our, our our white supposedly allies are easily offended when our white kind of easily offends us, and so because it hit so it hit social media, I think the Washington Post got a hold of it, and it was like Southern Baptists slow to condemn our white, so they had like this emergency meeting to rewrite the resolution. And within the resolution, the rewritten resolution, somebody made a point. They spent more time saying what they had done to better their relations with African-American people than condemning the alt-right. <laughs> so they condemned the alt-right, but they wanted to make sure they put within it what they had done in support of the African-American community. So they wouldn't look bad. Was there anything like do the the inflammatory language that they claimed was there? Did they say specifically like what that language was? Is this something that could be like? Argue? Well, they rewrote the whole thing. So, and they didn't include the man who brought it to them. Yikes! Like he didn't help rewrite the draft. I don't think. Um, I have to go back. I want to be. I, I want to give all the facts. Um, but he, 
it just for them for so there was this backlash so when it did finally get pushed through the next day they were all like oh we did it you know we love all people here at the southern baptist convention well if you know anything about the formation of the southern baptist convention you know it has racist roots because it, they split from the regular baptist the whole baptist because of the fact that they wanted to continue to um to be on the side of slavery uh, they didn't want to condemn slavery and they wanted to take money from slaveholders to fund missionaries and for slaveholders to be able to still go on missions. So, well, wow. um, all that to say, I think it's very ironic that the people that were holding slaves went to go overseas to do missions. Uh, <laughs> of, course. <laughs> of course, that's, that's, a, that's, that's neither here nor there for this, for this point. Um, but, you know, I made a couple of statements. I said that, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that something that an organization that has racist roots bears racist fruit. Um, some people had issues with that. And I wasn't saying everything in the organization is bad. I know they've made an apology. I think it was 90, 95 that they made a public apology condemning their past and, you know, apologizing and all that. Now, I know they're trying to make strides to help support the African-American context. But the whole get up is based on racism like the whole formation you know what i'm saying so for me it's at the core so right. you should be shocked that you're still struggling with these issues in 2017 because it's at the root of your organization right and like, like with <laughs> like with any organization that rhetoric exists throughout the organization so it's like it started off this way in the beginning and it things have pro likely been orally and just kind of traditionally passed down with that type of mentality. And I f feel like today what people don't realize is when we're dealing with racism or we're dealing with like racist actions or the reason that somebody wouldn't be so moved to even say that, you know what, we can't pass up on this. Let's actually address this right now. You know, we should condemn them is because it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit home to you. It's not something that you have to deal with. You don't have to, as a white person, you don't have to think about how a particular organization uh, goes against people of color, right? Or specifically black people because you don't have to do it. And so it's like, that's why it's problematic because in your day-to-day -day interactions, you're not thinking about how this is going to impact somebody that doesn't, that's not white. However, if you heard of a terrorist organization or you heard of something that was anti-American, immediately you will say, and even if it's a mask, it, you're, you you take that to home. You say, well, I'm American. This impacts me. So I got to protect myself and I got to do this for my children. I got to do this for my family. And then I have to do this for every other American. But when there's a homegrown organization and group of people that we're saying, hey, this impacts us as black people. You're not thinking, oh, Americans, you're thinking oh, well, let's make sure we kind of play the fence like we don't really push anybody from that group away but we also we don't ostracize you in a sense and it's just kind of like yo no that's the problem like here's the problem and and that would exist i will say to you know from what you from from what you've told me and from what i've read that would exist honestly in any organization but that's the reason it doesn't make you know the sbc exempt and so it it is it is problematic because of the s at the sbc but honestly a person would we would all likely take that approach or take this opinion or position with any organization that has that type of upbringing it's the reason that we're always battling with our country right <laughs> we yeah. are we're citizens we're american citizens and you know we love being americans traveling internationally one thing you're just like yo i can't wait to go back home because this is what i know this is what i've been grown into but i also do challenge a lot of the things that ways that we people think a lot of the things that uh, is allowed to go on in this country is because yo we have to acknowledge the fact that we don't have a clean and clear past. This country hasn't been the best to people that look like us. And so as a result of that, there is going to be some internal strife and some consistent pushback. And we are going to have some opinions that are not like every other person and particularly every other white person because our experiences are different. So my, my thing was for the resolution, I felt like it was optics. And this is, you know, I've gotten some pushback from it from me saying this but my thing is 
this whole thing started because of money and you know i think you know we could kind of mask it as christianity but at the end of the day it all boils down to dollars and cents right they didn't want to lose their money that's what slavery was at the core about you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like it's about money you don't want to denounce slavery because you don't that would mean your pockets would suffer you would lose money because you're making a lot of money off free labor point blank period right so if you're going to tell me that this organization is for all people well let's look at how the money is spent let's look at how many minority organizations if you're really trying to make things better let's look at how many minority organizations like within your convention how many minority led organizations or churches how much funding do they receive versus the other organizations right like that's what i'm interested in i'm not interested in your resolution or your document or your i'm interested yes i'm interested in your money because at the end of the day it was my ancestors whose free labor built your convention like so until we talk about the money i don't want to hear no resolution this is not going to be followed up with reparations and so that was my whole thing and i just wanted people that were black people in i'm not a part of the convention I don't think I'll ever be a part. Neither do I have a desire to be a part. (laughs) (laughs) But for those who are friends that I know are deeply committed to being voices within that, that really feel called to see change, I pray for them. I pray that God bless their efforts. I just wanted them, my sole purpose for tweeting and posting was for them to refocus their efforts on where these money and resources are going. Let's not have a whole bunch of more panels about we all made in the image of God. We got that. Where's this money going? Exactly. <laughs> and until we have, until we talk about that, until we see money going where their so-called resolution is, I don't. You know, I I said it would be a shame if we have res, if we have our budgets don't reflect our resolution, and we're still basically promoting white supremacy with our budget, but then saying it's bad with our with our words. So. That was my two cents. And that's fair. I think that's <laughs> absolutely, yeah, that's absolutely fair. We always talk about, you know, wanting to know where somebody's heart is, what's important to them. You follow their money. You follow where you follow where they spend their treasure, like wherever you put your treasure in, because that's what you had. You had to work to get that money. Right. There is some if we look at a, us on an individual level. I had to I have to go to work. You have to go to work in order to get money. We just don't sit around and get money. So because we've put forth effort and we've gotten that money wherever we put that, that's what we deem important. And with any organization, with an organization, if you aren't putting your, if you care so much about, you know, equality, if you care so much about race relations, if you care so much about making sure that we all are because we're all made in the image of God and we're all as one and God views us as one people, his people, his children, then we should all have equal hands in the pot. Right. We should all have equal opportunity to do those things. And if, if that's not the case and we're not changing it for it, then it's, it, it calls into question like, well, what is really going on? And are we being told things to to pacify a situation are we being told things just to and it's, it's i kind of say this all the time you know we've i think we've talked about this before but this whole idea when there's some sort of injustice us always being reminded as black people that you know we just have to turn to god and god is the ultimate you know uh ruler and the ultimate president the healer and it's like all of that is true and we understand that but how come is it that here on earth in the united states of america you know this group of people white people get to have justice in heaven and on earth they get to be able to live freely in heaven and on earth like they can just kind of run amok and we're thrown like oh prayer just pray just pray just pray it's like no we actually are you know capable of doing both i'm still going to pray i'm going to pray that god gives me enough energy and enough knowledge and know-how and skill set to fight for the justice of myself and my people and in that same regard it's kind of like we can know that we're all made in god's god's image we can also know that you know we are brothers and sisters in christ and we can also tell you that it's kind of jacked up that the people that don't look like us don't get any funding or don't get any money or the the true push and the true 
focus and purpose of the organization is not really to bring us to places where we can be equal and not only have a seat at the table, but honestly be able to create our own tables if we want to. And you come to our tables and you support our tables like that is it's bull. And we need to talk about the fact that when African-Americans in your organization take your money, they aren't silenced on racial issues. Right. Because your money color strings. Right. I was going to say, and that is that's a a real thing. That's um, (laughs) some. I'm going to pay you, but you better shut up. All right. How helpful is that? Not helpful at all. Well, on the note of something that is black and positive, the Black Panther trailer was released. The very first trailer to the movie Black Panther was released. And it's black perfection. It is literally like. I just I've watched the trailer probably like 50 times honestly. Like I watched this trailer over and over and over again. It's beautiful because you see so many black people but you actually see black people of a darker skin tone that are in these great roles that look that appear to be lead roles. You see like black women in these kind of superhero-esque outfits. Um you watch literally you watch this movie and you kind of just get so excited and so caught up it just in the trailer at how many black people are in the movie and this is a major this is a major movie this is going to theaters and it's not a romantic comedy right um we kind of get i've expressed this uh see i know i've expressed this to you but kind of like my frustration with people thinking that black people can't do things beyond being like romantic comedies or you know even like horror films we can be that one person in a horror film but we can't have suspenseful movies we can't have like you know psycho thrillers we can't have superhero movies where we're not playing the sidekick where it literally not only can we be the main character but we can also play all of the other characters as well because much like just like white people we're people right (laughs) so it's like it is really the yeah we're people we're human like (laughs) we experience similar situations our responses cult based on culture will likely be different but those things can also sell like we can also i get so frustrated with watching thrillers i watched this one thriller maybe it was a couple weeks ago and it was like a netflix original or hulu original basically there's like this girl she gets um she meets this guy she's like somewhere overseas and she meets this guy she likes the guy they end up having sex he has to go to work the next day he basically like locks her up and holds her prison as a prisoner right and i'm watching Mm -hmm. the movie and i swear she's making the dumbest decisions like the dumbest mistakes over and over and over again i was like i'm so frustrated like i i I don't even want to finish this because this is not something that i can identify with this is not something that i feel like people in my community can identify with the minute that we realize that something is wrong and i'm being locked in here we're trying to come up with some sort of some sort of way to get out of this we're either trying to fight this guy and attack this guy or we're gonna like try to like outsmart him and get out literally for much of the movie the girl was just sitting there begging and pleading for him to like let her go and it's like it's not gonna happen you stupid like (laughs) so i'm like this is why i was telling my friend i was like this is why (laughs) we need to have black people and other and like black representation in movies so that somebody can make a movie that to me is more realistic like a movie that would make sense to people that come from my community and i don't even i will even say like it was a it was a white girl but i'm like you know the white friends that i have they're not making stupid decisions like that like the minute that i realize that somebody's coming after me i'm literally not laying down like please just let me go obviously he's not like (laughs) it's your tears is not gonna change him he's crazy like what are you talking about but black panther trailer is great if you haven't seen it like check it out we can actually put it out um promote it and put it out on our social media like it really is good i'm excited about this movie um i'm definitely going to be there to go see it i'm probably this is probably going to be another film that i watch in theaters like six or seven times just because i want to go whoever say oh i'm going to see black panther all right i'm gonna go with y'all too because i wanted to get uh i wanted to get that support and the director and i believe a lot of the writers are black as well so it's not just that we're supporting the black actors but we're supporting like creators all across the board and i think it's great i'm definitely going to watch it and i'm excited for it so. yeah 
this is going to be dope. I actually read this article this morning that was talking about um, Nubia, who is supposedly the twin sister of Wonder Woman. Oh, wow. And when it was created, yeah, it was created by... I've never seen Wonder Woman. I saw it. Um, it's, It's good. It's extremely long, and I feel like there's a lot of the middle that should have came out, but the the ending of it was really really great that's i feel like the ending really made the movie um but you know you'll see it it's, it's action-packed it's a whole superhero thing but anyway they talked about nubia which is like apparently the black uh the black sister twin sister of wonder woman she's like made from the same clay that wonder woman was created was was made from and she was trained by like the god of uh the god of war and she actually used to be like the queen of some some place that was like ran by men and she actually i guess she went down to hell and ran hell at some point in time i was like reading the the synopsis and it was actually pretty interesting and she was introduced i think it said in 1973 they created the character so it would be dope to see with wonder woman being so successful it would be really dope to see if they at some point in time invite her with you know Black Panther being a thing, if they bring her up in in the story and kind of explore her story in the Wonder Woman series, that would actually be pretty dope too. So, so let us know what y'all think. Um, hit us up. Uh, let us know what y'all think about the SBC. What y'all think about Steve Harvey and Black Panther? You guys know where to find us. We're on Twitter at Brunch Culture, on Instagram at Brunch underscore Culture. You can also check out our website at www.brunchculturebc.com, and we will be back for our main dish. We are back and it's time for our main dish this week and well first off before I get into the main dish we just brunch culture just celebrated our third year anniversary uh this past wednesday yes three years of doing brunch culture i don't think they came out like i wanted to come out it was it was a little like i I think you wanted to be a lot more stronger than it actually came out but it's all right it's all good i'm talking about the the woo part was a little you know i'm sorry but (laughs) it's all good it's a celebration let's turn up (laughs) i feel like my turn up needs to be yours is like it's like a it's like a slow rise that's what it is my turn up is everybody else like normal yeah everybody else is like coming down and you like hey but it's all right though we gonna you know three years in you getting there um But no, um, so it's three years of brunch culture. We definitely are excited about this. We thank you guys, of course, for listening to us um, and, and seeing us through three years. Like, it's it's really insane to think of where we started, where we came from, and, like, us still being here three years later and doing it. Our um, sound quality is better. Sound quality is amazing, right? I feel like our show structure has gone through some changes, and we, you know, we found out what's working, and... Of course, that's something that can always change, but I'm just glad that we're actually producing like a show that don't sound like we're caught up in some whirlpool somewhere trying to record. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a pristine yeah, the white sound. noise. Yeah, there's a pristine sound. It's good. But you anyway. Know, white noise is the only thing that I've heard that has white in it that's bad. Wait. I'm trying to think now. Because um, you know how like black is associated with bad things and white is associated with good things. Right. But I'm trying to think of what is it? White water rafting, but I guess that's not bad. Dang, that's 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 a good one. I never thought about that. Um, Got to hold on to that one. Right, right, right. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> white noise. That's huh. I can't think of nothing else. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm like white shoes, white shirts. Uh, white diamonds, white. <laughs> it is all it's supposed. To, it's like pure, and it's it's great. All right. Well, shout out to Lisa for that. Um, <laughs> but as as I was saying, so we're three years. Um, we're three years in, and what's interesting is we know our show comes around Father's Day. 
Um, it's time to celebrate Father's Day. We are yeah. Our first show was on Father. Yeah, our 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 very very first episode we talked about fathers, and it was interesting because as I was thinking about our three year anniversary and thinking about it being Father's Day, and I thought like the show doing the show on fathers is good, and it would it would definitely be good and something that I want to do. But I was like, let's actually look up some statistics on fathers, and so in doing that. I found a study that um, the CDC actually released and thinkprogress.org had did an article on it. And it was talking about the the myth of the absent black father. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's a bunch of different statistics, a, a bunch of different um, studies that they did. And they found that black fathers being absent in today's time is 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 a myth. And in cases where or black fathers being completely absent, right? And just not being interested in being with their children or having children, that being a myth. And in cases where there are children that don't have, you know, fathers in their home, the the father is not necessarily married to their mom, but they're living together. Or the father is still very present and very active in their kid's life. Um, and some very critical area, areas to do that. So I just kind of wanted to, to start off and talk about that and then just kind of go into the the start talking about the implications of continuing this narrative and this rhetoric of black fathers being absent right because i think just in our time we're seeing marriage changing right we're seeing Mm -hmm. that relationships look a lot different now whereas in and back in the day when there was a such thing as a shotgun wedding uh, based on a woman getting pregnant now there's not really a, a, a shotgun wedding but there's like a shotgun move in but you know people aren't getting married right but it still doesn't mean that like fathers are absent so kind of just wanted to just dive into that to talk about that and then just talk about what that does to us as a whole as black people how that affects us how that affects our kids and then also things that we can do to continue to support black fathers so I'll start off with reading some of these statistics so they 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 called it the being involved dad and then they they had a few different measures of how to do it and they compared they compared the different uh groups as latino, white and black. So mm-hmm. for children under the age of 5, uh the question asks if the father if, if the father feeds or eats a meal with their children daily. 63.9% of latino uh of latino fathers did. 73.9% of white fathers did, but 78.2% of black fathers did. Mm. Right. So the next one is bathe, uh, bathed or dressed their children, bathed, diapered or dressed their children. For Latino fathers, is 45%. For white fathers, it's 60%. For black fathers, it's 70%. So as opposed to going to each one, I'm just going to go to the last two and just read you what the percentage was. So play with their children on a daily basis. For black fathers, is 82.2%. And read to their children daily for black fathers is 34.9%. Eight meals with their children on a daily basis. And this is for children from ages 5 to 18. 61.7% of black fathers did. Uh, took They took their children for, uh, to and from school activities. 27.1% of black fathers did, which they lead the pack in that. Talk to their children about their their uh, day daily. 67.4% of black fathers does that. They led the pack in that group and help children with their homework or check that they finished it daily. 40.6% of black fathers did that. And they beat out, again, both the Latino fathers and the the white fathers so what does that mean what is that what does that mean and i think me reading that and considering you know what we we us doing our very first show on fathers and us kind of talking about kind of the disparity of of fathers not being there and 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 things that people experience as a result of that emotional things you know rejection uh how that kind of sets them up to not in many cases studies have shown that people that don't come from two parent homes or doesn't have that they don't have like their father present they end up you know they're they're higher risk for crime higher risk for uh, being impoverished and reading this statistic and seeing that wait this is not necessarily 
it's not the complete what we've been told and what we have kind of carried and what the narratives that have been put out there about black fathers is not the complete story. And it's so interesting, too, because the my friends that are my friends that are fathers and the people that I'm connected to that are fathers, they're very involved in their children's lives. So it's kind of like I've always wondered, you know, how is that changing? Like, how is that that story changing? What is different? And I feel like this kind of shows that not only is it changing, but it also points fingers at, well, if we if this is happening, right, and we're still seeing statistics of people being depressed or people not getting out of poverty, then that has to mean that there's some other things at play as well. And I wonder how much as for the longest time we've had this, the absent black father and what that does. And we've put so much of a focus on that, but I wonder how, how much of that should have been directed to other issues, systemic issues, social issues, um, geographical issues that, maybe have led to these things as opposed to it just being the black father there was one article that i that i read too and the writer actually mentioned that you know we've kind of used the absence of the black father or the lack of interest or work of a black father as kind of like an it's the scapegoat it's the reason Mm -hmm. yeah it's the scapegoat it's the reason that all of these bad things happen it's because these people won't accept their responsibility to do what they have to do and it's like well now that the data is showing that in more cases than in other races right with these particular issues these particular scenarios you have more black fathers that are doing it than white or latino fathers if the the disparity still exists then who is to blame right like Mm -hmm. what's happening what other things should we look at yeah i think that's a very good point because i think one of the things that you know since we've done the the show three years ago something that's that i've observed is that sometimes there's the assumption that a present father brings out a healthy child mentally healthy stable everything's it but on the flip end i've seen some people who've had stable fathers and so quote unquote the ideal father that turned out just horrible as a person and are dead and turned out to be deadbeat dads. You know what I'm saying? Right. Themselves. Right. And then I've seen some people who come from homes where the father wasn't present and are magnificent fathers. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I think, you know, considering those things, it can't be this one size fits all problem and solution. Because what happens when you have a present father that produces a child that becomes a deadbeat dad? Like he doesn't replicate what he's experienced. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting I think thing we see, especially in culture these days. It's up to the person whether they're going to be present and do those things. But also, I I think what you were were talking about I think was eye opening when I read the article about how we use bl- the black man or the absent black father as the scapegoat because we think about when we talk about statistics, the author was saying the two-parent home kind of produces better, they say, kids doing better because of economics. You know what I'm saying? Economics has a big part to play. Um, And I don't want to take away from fathers nurturing and what they bring to the home because I think it's very vital. But we also have to consider how much finances do play a part in a family unit. Absolutely. And when finances aren't there, there's going to be problems absolutely because if you have a whole home but the parents are struggling you're you're not going to have a father there to do those things because if he's working two or three jobs he can't be there to do those you know yeah and even in even in cases one thing that i think is important to note too even in cases where you do have physically present dads and and in some cases and in many cases from from my experience they can be physically present but emotionally absent right Mm -hmm. they don't have the tools the tool set and it's not because they're horrible people or you know they're doing something bad it's just they they don't have the tools and the skill set to be emotionally mature and to kind of nurture you in that way emotionally so you have a kid that has a father knows their father was raised by their father but is not i mean that that person is their father is more stranger than the person that they just met you know at school because it's like i don't know anything about you i don't know what your favorite color is i don't know you know how you think about things other than 
things that you want to correct me on right or you know the fact that you love golf or you love fishing or you love sports like i don't really know things like that and so it's kind of like oh you know those people can also that adds to the problem too and we're not we we don't typically talk about those things we don't really dive into that um and i just think it's important that we i guess you know have a lot more of a nuanced conversation about it and also in these cases because we see this 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 statistic and we see this uh report that comes out from the cdc that says this well now let's start to look at the the these other groups right let's look at the white fathers let's look at the, the the latino fathers and let's provide context to them as well like so are we going to say now that things that happen negatively in the white community is it because of absent fathers right is it because their dads aren't tucking them in at night is it because their dad is not sitting down with you know what i'm saying like it's i feel like we we have to be able to just take these things and really provide more context with them because we'll do it for other groups but we don't really do it for for us and now that we start to do it for us we also have to do the reverse and look at these other groups of people and say okay so why these things are happening and what's truly coming out of it if you're still having kids that are growing up in spaces where traditionally like you know white people are more well-rounded or whatever because they come in these two-parent homes they're they're being raised in these these two-parent homes so if they're still doing those things without being in a two-parent home then what is it you know like what is it that is is, is making up for that there wasn't the article or another can we look at even a, a deeper question we need to ask that leave it to be for a family model those produce kids that created systems to oppress other people absolutely (laughs) can we talk about the goodness that comes out of the quote-unquote model um i think that's something that we should you know i'm saying because we're talking about they're talking about well more likely to commit crimes Mm -hmm. you know these people are doing (laughs) (laughs) it just goes under the radar because they mask it and it's not quote unquote illegal but it's wrong but it's wrong right <laughs> right and we don't you know we we don't we don't address those things we don't talk about those things but that's that's the reality of it what it is one thing that i i wanted to because I, I really thought about it and i sat on this for a while so with having this narrative of there being an absent black father and black fathers not being present for so long and again not to say that 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 is not that doesn't happen ever in the black community no but having knowing that that is promoted and it's almost like the expectation of certain 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 children being raised and feeling like oh well i don't have a father what does that psychologically do to that kid right and is what happens to them really from the absent the absence of their father or is it because they've kind of been reminded and it's been reiterated to them that their dad they come from a dad that is a deadbeat they come from a, a dad that doesn't care about them what other things are at play that could potentially cause this outcome with the kid you know mm-hmm. yeah i think that's important because i think looking at the whole picture helps like right. because we've been so conditioned to look at it one way we don't look at all facets like that's why i felt like the whole economic piece that the writer i think it was washington post mm-hmm I really think it helps to look at that to see like how much influence this has on the situation um, to give a, a different view. And I think people are so used to we've been conditioned in society to just put all the blame on the black father that we don't look at anything else. Yeah, we we truly and I mean, yeah, we truly have. And I I. <laughs> I felt if they had to just be like, yo, I'm sorry for that. As somebody somebody that will be a black father, that amount of love and kind of feel many cases of male quote unquote daddy issues, would they still be suffering from that? I have a friend that your daddy wasn't there. Was raised by, since he was a kid, was raised by a stepdad. Maybe your daddy wasn't there. And knows his stepdad as like his dad, but some issues, you know, his biological father, he 
other things that happen. Very little about as a result of and you know your mom not you honestly, not having to tread lightly to in say a day and like, time and in a society that changes. You, you know, need like two income. I, I, I don't know that to make it. If your mom works full time a full time job, and she's getting paid minimum wage and just over like she doesn't have enough money. It took a while. It's like any he's still a two bedroom apartment. I don't know that he suffers. With well, any that's deep, the like, case, you know, rejection what things happened, your <laughs> daddy wasn't physically like there, but his father experienced like, because then I feel like that's that's something that, that, that income wasn't there. Or maybe it was just that you don't really you know, give context have, to maybe your mom really is think more about, of a, a passive person in thinking about it. It's like, well, what are these and things? your dad would have been like a more aggressive, uh, a more aggressive person. But it's like, yeah, you you experience this. You don't have that that that. Um, for I don't want to say, but I guess backbone, if you will. You don't have that as a result of your dad. But then, what other things happened as a result of not having that? That kind of shaped you into this person, right? So it wasn't just that you know you became this like extremely passive person. It was just that maybe you were extremely passive person, and then you kind of got you kind of got bullied, or you were put into this space, and that kind of shaped you. It's just like the other things that happened as opposed to that. So I will just apologize for myself doing it because even as a black man (laughs) as a black man that looks forward to being a black father i too have just kind of painted this like broad oh well it's because they have daddy issues it's because their daddy wasn't there because it's because their daddy wasn't there and it's like well there's other things that caused that 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 shaped them not just the fact that they didn't have a dad like that's not the only thing yeah i definitely want to apologize too and i think something that i think that's really important for us to point out too is that this like so many of the issues in our community are systemic Mm -hmm. that two people in the household wouldn't help wouldn't fix it you know (laughs) you know what i'm saying you can't make um the uh like the cocaine and versus crack or the how people get prosecuted for having weed on them, like, and they're targeted um, with the uh, stop and frisk. Like, you having a father in the home is not going to undo those things. Absolutely. <laughs> so honestly, you get it done down without being armed. That is not. That's having two parents in the home is not going to stop that, and it is not something that is is we need to fix because oh well we got to teach our kids to be more responsible and i've always rejected that i mean we had an episode where we were kind of we kind of got really heated about that same type you know type of issue in terms of people me feeling as if people always want to say well well if we did this you know the issues that our children face come from like the attitudes that they have or them needing to do this and it's kind of like well, even if we did that, we potential we history has shown us that we still consistently see these problems, right? So it's like yeah, this idea. Orlando Castillo. Yeah, they just it, exactly. it solidifies that. Exactly. Here's somebody that's a, that's a father. Here's somebody that has that is revered, and he works at a school. He's revered as somebody that is really positive, a positive role model that does what he needs to do. We have a video of him being shot. Without there being any sort of weapon in his hand, and while he's trying to be, while he's trying to tell the officer he had, did he say I have a gun on me? Yeah, he told. And he's trying to. He told him that he had a gun on him. The officer apparently asked him for it to pull out his permit, so he went to reach for the permit and he shot him. Yeah, (laughs) he's obeying the command. Right, right. So it's like this idea that if we just have this perfect ideal setup quote unquote what we've been taught is the perfect ideal setup that everything will get better well that's not true and we know that and 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 at this point we have to really now that we know better we have to start doing better we we have to start providing more context to ourselves and providing more context to the people that come from these spaces but really do more at supporting black fathers right uplifting black fathers when we see them even if they are not perfect or doing things wrong doing things the right way it's interesting there was this uh i saw a post online of a a a dad that was getting he was like taking some classes on hair and how to take care of like natural hair and people were saying like oh you know 
he shouldn't be doing it. And I, I, I know one thing. There was like this one guy that commented. And it was just like, I'm not going to be going to no cosmetology school so my daughter hair can get done. I'm going to brush it up in a bun and, and it's just going to be is what it is. That's too much. And it's kind of like, honestly, it's not too much. This is something that we should be honoring this guy because it's not something that he's necessarily interested in beyond the fact that he wants his daughter to have options. He's a single father, presumably, of course it was just like a photo and a meme, but it's like, he's a single father. He's trying to, he wants his daughter to have a life where she not only can, you know, he he's as interested in her education as he is in her appearance because he wants her to, you know, care about that. And he also says, wait, she has natural hair. I don't know how to care for it. Maybe I don't have the means to pay somebody to do it all the time. So I can learn this to teach it to my daughter. And that doesn't emasculate me. That doesn't make me horrible. That actually makes me a stand up guy because I'm going beyond the extra mile for my child. And that's what fatherhood is like. <laughs> that's it <laughs> that is it <laughs> what's the problem yeah and i think well people the that's the cultural you know people think of well only women can do that and so in their minds in their like limited perspective of roles gender roles they they say oh you can't do that yeah. you know and of course it's it's extremely stupid um and i think that at this point i our goal, our MO should be how do we support black fathers? What resources are out there? What tools are out there? What can we do to see a black dad and say, hey, kudos to you, right? Because for so long, we have been telling you and we've told ourselves that you were absent. So any sign, honestly, just based on the culture, any sign of you doing something wrong, we probably throw you into this bucket of the absent black father or the no good black father or the, the father that just doesn't care as opposed to saying, wait, you're a person, right? You're a regular person, just like everybody else. And you made a mistake. You didn't show up. You had a pitfall, but you're doing great, right? The fact mm -hmm. that you're open enough to recognize that you're doing a good job. Keep going. Keep pushing. There are other black fathers that are out here that are trying to do it. You guys like support each other link up together really make it happen as opposed to just being oh well you know you're the this this is bad and so i feel like at this point our goal should be to change the narrative and that's what i want us to do here so make sure that we are supporting black fathers maybe we can i don't know how realistic it is but maybe we can try to like go out and find like a black father on like social media or something and just try to like shout them out Mm -hmm. Did you see the one that just did his daughter? She had got upset because somebody was bothering her at school and he gave her a hug. Yeah, and yeah, I saw that. yeah, I saw that. There's some also there's some resources that we um, looked up for for who for those who might be fathers that are listening or want to be fathers. What they no fathers? Yeah, or no fathers. Fatherhood.gov, fathers.com, fatherhood.org are three major ones. Uh, Princeton and Columbia has some good resources with fragilefamilies.princeton.edu. Um, Columbia has the CF, no, the CRFCFW.columbia.edu. Um, childtrends.org, um, class.org. And we'll put this out uh, for you guys to look at um, with some resources that I think are really good, some websites, uh, the top 40 fatherhood resources that we we have for you guys absolutely well you guys definitely hit us up and let us know what you think use the hashtag chat bc and let us know you know what don't let us know what you think shout out a black father do that like find somebody that you know that is that's black that's a father um somebody that is playing you know playing a role filling in for a dad shout them out use the hashtag chat bc and add us at brunch at brunch underscore culture on instagram and brunch culture on twitter and we'll actually you know repost those things so that we can get it out here i feel like this father's day this weekend, this week, this month, this year should be about supporting dads that are doing great things. So definitely supporting black dads that are doing great things because we for so long have kind of gotten this bad rap. And there's so many of us out here really doing some amazing things, not only for our direct children and our family, but for other people as well, for our communities. And so we want to do that. So hit us up and we will be back with our Toaster Roast.
Now we're back with our toast or rose. And today I want to start off with a toast in light of Father's Day. I want to toast to my father, Louis Fields, um, for being always uh, such a consistent presence in my life and a supporter. Um, so I'm really thankful for my dad and he being an example of a godly man, father, and loving husband. So, uh, and he's my pastor. So I can't really escape him. (laughs) 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 And the person that comes is something that's wrong with my car because I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) I don't have, I don't, yeah, I just know how to put oil in it. No, put gas in it or change tire, anything of that sort. I'm calling him first because I have no idea (laughs) what's going on. (laughs) It's so sad. And it is what's what's even worse is I kind of don't even want to learn. I was just gonna uh, say that's should, probably a thing, but you got your daddy, so you don't need it, right? I sh- I should probably learn, so I won't have to ask my dad or my brothers. Um, that's like you know one of those things where we could go back about women empowerment and how they we, we like to be selectively empowered. I want to be equal until I got to do the equal work. Then, heck, nah. In some cases, <laughs> my best friend says that all the time. Mm-mm. I'm for gender roles in some cases. Select. See, I'm with the selective selective roles. You gotta you gotta flow with it. So, shout out to my my dad. Happy Father's Day, Daddy. Love you. Uh, thank God for you. All right, and so this week I will I have a toast as well. I want to toast to high school senior Marvin Wright. Uh, so I read this story, I actually stumbled across this story, just really just, um, I don't, I think I was on, maybe I was just on Google and I think I, I was looking at like high school stuff or whatever, cause so many people graduating and I saw this and I read this, I read this story. So essentially in a nutshell, Marvin Wright is the president of his high school. He's from North Carolina, Pine Tops, North Carolina. He attends Southwest Edgecombe High and He's, he worked on a, a speech. He's a, the class president. So he's at the graduation. He's allowed to give a speech. Um, the morning of he's handed a five sentence speech by the I guess the administrators. And they told him, you won't be reading your speech. You should read this speech. Well, Marvin pushed back. He got up there and made them think that he was going to read their speech. He pulled out a cell phone and actually read the speech that he had been working on. The, tr- the crowd cheered. Everybody was happy. Um, and when it came time to distribute the diplomas, he actually didn't receive his. The administration held his diploma for two days and he didn't receive it at his graduation because he read the wrong speech. Now, of course, this is ridiculous. The principal should be fired. Everybody at that school should be fired because that is petty that's childish this is something that this kid is never going to be able to get back you work so hard to graduate not only do you work hard to graduate but you also do additional service as the the senior class president which requires you to do you know some administrative stuff to be involved stuff to kind of be a figurehead and to to plan things and all of this stuff you did and somebody takes your diploma because you didn't do what they wanted you to do but what you did was not wrong because just like all of the seniors before you you should be able to give a speech. That's a part of why that's a part of the perks of the job. So shout out to Marvin Wright. I'm going to toast to Marvin Wright for standing up for what he believes in, for not allowing somebody to silence his voice and for giving the speech that he worked so hard on and doing it. And he, he got his, his, his high school diploma and it's sad. It sucks that that moment was ruined by that, but he was able, he got his high school diploma he's doing. And I, hopefully he continues to use his voice and that resistance and other ways to make change for the future. So toast to Marvin, Wright. Uh, the story is on HuffPost. I don't see if there's anything. You know, I'm always trying to see if there's something that you can like support somebody. I didn't see anything of ways to support him, but just so you know, to put it out there and make his name known. He's a dope little kid and toast to him. Awesome. Shout out to you, Marvin Wright. Well, we're gonna leave you with today's good vibe. Today's good vibe is The best things in life are on the other side of fear, and that's by Will Smith. Yes. <laughs> you guys like, slid in there. I feel like you might have been having some problems getting to us. I yeah, I was slid. like, man, as, as I, I thought I had it on my phone. Yeah. And then I was like, I was like, the good part is. And then I looked through my phone and realized it was on the home screen. And I was like, 
Oh shit! Black Exotic. Like we're in like internal conflict mode. Like what did I say now? (laughs) So yeah, the best things in life are on the other side of fear. That comes from Will Smith, and that is the that's a it's an amazing quote because I think it challenges us and pushes us to just face our fears, right? To know that you know fear is just a thing that we're supposed to get through and get past. It's not something that's supposed to stop us, and if it does stop us it limits it limits our reach in life so chase your fears overcome your fears face them talk about them address them call them out and just move forward beyond it um and that wraps up another episode of brunch culture again we thank you guys so much for rocking with us we thank you guys so much for supporting us and listening to us for three, three years yo it's crazy like yeah we i go back to the episode i remember the same feelings that we've had uh, that i had during the recording of the 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 first episode the equipment we used the area that we were in and ultimately having to leave early because it was about to shut down right (laughs) and and find a new way to like edit it without editing it so like play the whole thing and then jump right in because we couldn't (laughs) stop and we didn't have software it's just it has been a journey um the amazing thing that has come out of this is just, you know, a, a, a huge and immense amount of self-confidence, uh, a, the ability to really believe in my our abilities to dream and to create things and to just challenge ourselves to really put ourselves out there. And we've given each other props in so many cases, so I, we won't get into that. But we thank you guys as listeners that continue to support of us um since then guys that are new and people that will come in the future like we really could not do brunch culture you know consistently if we didn't have anybody listening like the fact that you know we have thousands of times that people have listened to the show is incredible uh because of course if there was just one listen all the time it'll be like all right well you know we doing this but i don't know if nobody cares (laughs) (laughs) It's just dope that we have it. We thank you guys so much. Make sure you guys check out our website again at www.brunchculturebc.com. We are on Instagram at brunch brunch underscore culture and on Twitter at brunch culture. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com backslash brunch culture. And as always, remember here at brunch culture, everything is up for discussion.